We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the Bee Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. So if you're doing something and it takes you hours to do, well, teachers, if you're planning lessons and it takes you three hours to plan a 45-minute lesson, as a principal, I'd say, don't do that. That's just not effective. It's not efficient. That's high effort, low impact. And I think the burnout thing is stay close to your passion work as much as you can and find things that is low effort and, and high impact. Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Dr. Matthew X. Joseph is currently the Director of Curriculum Instruction and Assessment in Leicester Public Schools. He's been a school and district leader in many capacities in public education over his 27 years in the field, including director of digital learning and innovation, elementary school principal, classroom teacher, and district professional development specialist. I have to tell you, I'm excited to have Matt on the show today because he's going to have a ton of stuff to tell us that we can take away with us and become better leaders as we support, engage, and empower teachers. So welcome to the show, Matt. Well, thank you. That's a little pressure right from the jump, huh? Like, all right, we got this guy on. He's going to tell us some stuff. So uh, I'm going to bring it today for you because you gave me that great lead in. There you go. Hey, I, you know, <laughs> nothing like getting put on a spot to throw out there some good go. stuff. There you go. I like that. I like that. Hey, uh, you know, I I know you, but um, people listening to this podcast might not know a ton about you. So if you would do me a favor and take some time to describe who you are and why you do what you do. Uh, sure. So my name, as Chris was saying, is Matt Joseph. I am the Director of Curriculum Instruction. And 
um, one of the things that I'm passionate about and in the last five years had an opportunity to work as a district leader. And as we work our, our way backwards, I guess we'll go that way, is I like having that opportunity to work pre-K through 12, having that lens on leadership and instruction and to provide ideas, provide solutions, provide professional development. And then for me, what's incredibly important and why I like where I'm at is that I love to go into classrooms. I love to be part of the learning. I like to see things in action. And I like to work with teachers because in the role that I have, that I am influencing how people are teaching and what they're teaching. If I'm not seeing who each individual teacher is and their strengths and their strategies, how can I give them recommendations or feedback? And I came into the district role from being an elementary principal. And I loved feeling a part of a community. I love building culture. That's what I did my dissertation study on at, at Boston College and feeling like I'm a part of something. And that's a big thread through a lot of the things we'll probably talk about today, feeling a part of something. And I was a, you know, I started as an elementary school teacher. And, and, and for me, I felt like I was a part of supporting students and kind of talking about why that's a passion for me is because that's how I came through and grew up. I grew up in a single family home back in the early 80s when there weren't many individuals who came from a single family home. And the teachers in my school, especially my elementary school, because starting in second grade, it was just my mom and my sister and I, they really raised me to give me that confidence. And having a male elementary school teacher in a time where there weren't a lot of male role models for me, was something that was like, I want to do that for somebody else. I want to be that person and, and, and support. And that was what led me into the elementary lane of education. And then what led me into really this, this passion for supporting other people is that through our, you know, through my own growth, and I'm sure other people listening, we've had some missteps. And we've made some decisions that are, you look back, you know, 50-year-old Matt Joseph looks back at 25, like, Dude, what were you doing? But there were people along the way that supported me, that that gave me uh, opportunities. And now that I'm in a position to be able to do that for somebody else, in my second half of my career, that's why that's been a passion of mine is to support other people. See, what a great opening. I didn't lie about what you were going to be saying to us. The, <laughs> the whole idea, you, you're speaking my language because I too, 80s, um, were the same age single parent household. And the idea of being a part of something is so important. And the, the, one of the great things about you is that you really try and foster that. Now, a lot of times when people move to central office, right, it's a step further away. And the idea that you are making it a priority to not take that step further away, but get into classrooms and see all of those things is, is just really key. You know, talking about the passion of that feeling of connection and feeling of being part of something. What would you think one of the best stories from that connectedness is? Do you have an example or something that really resonates with you where you were like, yeah, that's it. That's why I do this. Um, yeah, it actually uh, was fairly recently. And, and, and so I was an elementary school principal. And like I said, and when I went into a place, which I typically do for those of you who, who know me and, and, and Chris does a little bit, I like to be a little loud and a little flashy and a little <laughs> like I'm going to make my mark. Like that's just, just, a little, like, just a little, just a little. And that, but that's what drives me because I like to put my expectations out there because then I have accountability to myself. So when I took uh, the role of being a principal, I said, I want to do something different. And again, this was probably 10 years ago. 
And I said, we're going to start podcasting our morning announcements. And I worked with Apple and we got a cart of Apple laptops. And I said, I want to work with third graders because my school ended in fourth grade. So I want to do it for two years and train with these kids. And we learned it was awesome. We got to fly to San Diego and presented ISTE. And, and I actually, it was so long ago, it was called ISTE, it was called NEC, the National Education <laughs> Computing Conference. So there's a little fact for you. That's how old I am and been doing this work. So it was just a wonderful time. I made my mark. It made my mark nationally. So there was a self-fulfilling like this. I feel like we're doing some good. And these kids learn these skills. It was awesome. And, you know, kept it up. And then last year, I got an email from the parent, the, this child's parent, who actually came to San Diego and just randomly take kids by myself. And he said, you know, she's graduating. And she, you were one of the people who made a direct impact on her wanting to do some of the things she did back in back all the way from third grade. And it really struck me because I'm talking, you know, 10 years later, like if yeah. we can impact students and in, in being passionate and in, in getting them excited about something, it, it stayed with me because I was having fun. I was doing something I loved. We were giving back to the community at large. We were, you know, we were using iMovie and GarageBand and we, we linked them all the time. And to 10 years later when she was graduating high school and it was during COVID, so they didn't have like guests and things and the dad was making a video. And to be asked, it felt like, okay, I, I've made an impact on this student and this, well, this young adult now that this is why I do it. And, and to me, and another piece that's I'm incredibly proud of, and again, just talking about that, uh, you know, I've had, you know, books published and I've had articles and I'm able to speak. But the thing when someone says, what are you most proud of? Five people who did their principal internship or practicum with me are sitting principals in Massachusetts. And to me, going back to what I said at the intro, that's important to me. Not like I have check marks, like how many, to, to have somebody feel trustworthy enough to learn under me and now is doing the job is something that I really, uh, I think has made an impact. That's, that's so fulfilling. I mean, wow, what a, what a story to get contacted by this student and the, the student's parents about how, how much of an impact you had and the idea of leaders moving into the field and they're sitting principals. One of the things I couldn't help but wonder why you were talking about that because <laughs> You know, you're talking podcasting that many years ago in school, morning announcements. I still kind of have a question what that looks like, but kids were obviously engaged. They were excited. Uh, how do you as a leader, how do you work at doing that for your teachers? How do you get your teachers so fired up knowing that you'll support them and that engaged piece and then empower them to let them go to do different things like that? I get out of the way, like, <laughs> right, right? Simple right. answer. Get out of the way. I get out of the way. And I don't mean that in a, in a snarky way. I mean it as a, I, what I like to do and why I left the teaching realm is because I like to have a big picture view. I like to plan backwards. I like to start something with the end in mind. And by doing that, I love to go to a group of teachers and show them my passion, show them we're going to podcast. And they're like, what are you talking about? Or we're going to do learning walks. We're going to do classroom visits. We're going to create these, whatever said initiative is. And then I said, that's what, I, that's what the end looks like. Can you get us there? Because I'll support you along the way. And what that does is gives them safety right? It says, okay, we have the support. We don't have to create something. So if there is negativity or there is discussions to have, the leader will, will, will take care of it. But essentially now we get to lead every step of the way. We're going to craft it how we want. I, I've pointed out the finish line. I didn't point out the race and I didn't set a timeline. I didn't set, 
And then you just support along the way and you give feedback and you encourage. And I celebrate attempts to get to the question. I, I don't celebrate when they get to the final piece because I've already told you what it looks like. That's great. You got there. But what I want to see is the, the, you know, the practice, the prototyping, the ideas, the building off the camaraderie. So then when you get to the finish line, I'm not the only one standing there, right? Like we all get there together. Right. right. And, and I think where leaders sometimes miss out, I'll say, as somebody who's in the back half or more of the career is I don't need the credit at that point because we got there together. And, and, and the underlying piece of that is anybody stood back and like, okay, this, this was, you know, started with this idea. Not that you need that level of affirmation, but for me, that's how I encourage teacher voice. That's how I encourage, I'm not a big, like, let's all get into room and brainstorm from the beginning because I find that it takes forever and I'm just impatient. <laughs> and that's just a personal thing. And, and I usually, when I get impatient, start just taking over. And that doesn't look good for anybody. And that was what I did a lot as a young, inexperienced leader because I knew I could get it done. But now I encourage by telling them what it'll look like at the end and say, you tell me how you're going to get there and support, encourage, and give feedback. It's easier to give feedback when you know what the end product hopefully will be close enough to look like. Right, right. And that feedback's an important piece. It reminds me of a story, and I'm going to date myself a little bit too, I remember when, you know, with uh, Carolyn Tomlinson, differentiation became big and you had classes to go to learn how to differentiate and things like that. And I remember being in a class learning about differentiation and they, they had us do a project. And the whole idea was just get there with the end in mind, but they didn't offer that feedback support in the middle. And I remember handing in my last project to the professor and I said, here you go. Is it done? And he looked at me and he said, well, I don't know. Is it? Is it the best you, you're going to put out there? And I remember grabbing the paper back because to me, that was like a scary moment and I wasn't sure. So I went and did more like two, three more iterations on it. Looking back now, probably two or three more that I didn't need to do. But that feedback is so important because is there a concern laying out the big picture of, of teacher burnout? If you're expecting them to get to this place, is there a point of, and I know this is kind of maybe controversial to say, but overachievement on the teacher's part? where they put in more than they need to, want to, or is that even possible? It's possible in everything we do. And I think I'll I'll touch on the burnout piece first and then go on the the overworking piece. I think people get, Matt Joseph opinion only, I think people get burnt out, not by the amount of work they do, when they work away from their passion. If you talk to people Mm -hmm. who get burnt out, it's not because they did their passion work so much. They're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing the thing I love so much. It's they get burnt out because they're doing more work that is is further away from their core values and passion. In my opinion, and in my, whatever, 30 years of education, that's when I see teachers frustrated and burnt out because there's always going to be that minutia that we have to do. And in every role in this profession, but if there's not a balance of our passion work, then we get burnt out. The second burnout, which goes to, in my opinion, what you had said about teachers overworking. Yeah, we, we, but we celebrate hard work too often. Meaning like, don't, I'm not someone who you come to and say, I work so hard. And I'm going to be like, wow, I'm going to pat you on the back. I want you to work efficient. I want you to put in low effort and get me high returns. And the more we can find tasks that are low effort, high impact, 
we're not going to get burnt out. So if you're doing something and it takes you hours to do, teachers, if you're planning lessons, it takes you three hours to plan a 45-minute lesson. As a principal, I'd say, don't do that. That's just not effective. It's not efficient. That's high effort, low impact. And I think the burnout thing is stay close to your passion work as much as you can and find things that is low effort and, and high impact. So I'll give you an example of, of, of what you also just said. What's teacher voice and, and what is teacher excitement? I remember as a principal, I would lay out, and for elementary school, we had different kind of duty schedules in the high school that you do. I would always make the duty schedule for like when you go on recess, when you do this, and I'd spend the summer and give it to the teachers. And most of the times they'd complain, and, and not in a bad way because I don't know their schedules. So I finally said, listen, just here's what you have to do. You have to cover three recesses and two lunches. There's your five duties. You five figure it out. And then they're like, oh, I'd rather do lunch. I'll do five days. That That was so low, much low impact for me. Like I created a Google sheet, share five names. You guys <laughs> fill it out. And I think it, it, it allowed me, you talked about getting into classrooms for leaders out there. That's what allows me to do those things because you know, when I, instead of creating a whole district, you know, or school wide duty schedule, I just hit share. And now I got an hour to go visit the first grade classroom. That's incredibly high return for low effort. Absolutely. You know, I, you're talking about, you're talking about that passion piece. And by the way, just, you know, I know you, I know you said Matt Joseph's uh, opinion only, but it's also Chris Jones's opinion about <laughs> All right. it I becomes like- harder with the further you get away from your passion. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Better Leaders, Better Schools Mastermind. The Mastermind is built on the ABCs of powerful professional development, authenticity, belonging, and challenge. With all three components, leaders experience transformation in their personal and professional lives. Personally, I've been a member of the Mastermind for years, and it's transformed my leadership by teaching me how to challenge the status quo and honor my personal vision for what leadership should be. Join me and other leaders from around the world in the mastermind. You can apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash mastermind. I use Anchor to distribute the Scene to Lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Think about bucket lists. You think about finding out what people care about. Do you have a go-to strategy or a couple of strategies like a toolbox to make sure you're finding out what teachers are passionate about so you can align them to tasks that are closer to their passion? Uh, I shut my mouth and I slow down because I get so where I found that I needed the most improvement was that I thought early because I am an, a passionate, excitable, loud, fast moving <laughs> person that I thought I was showing teachers I would support them by talking and saying, yeah, let's do this and and go, 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 go. And I thought like, I can't believe they're not backing this because I'm supporting, I'm a cheerleader, I'm giving them resources. But what I wasn't doing was, was listening to them that I could still do all those things after I heard what they had to say, because some things that are challenging to the other people are not challenging to me. And 
I took it for granted that teachers were comforting, comfortable doing certain things like presenting at staff meetings or leading a workshop. Like to me, that's like, oh, I really like that. So I'm going to show you, you can be a teacher leader by leading a workshop. And I wasn't listening that they were a little more of an introvert and they want to create the workshop for me to lead. And I think that helped me grow in the sense of like, okay, I get it. I can say out loud that you don't have to do it like me, but I also have to listen and find out because when you do that, then I found out what people liked. So when we did podcasts or or vlogs or different things, if someone liked to write, they could write it and then another teacher could could perform it. And they both then felt heard or someone could do the newsletter because they're incredibly graphic design is their thing. They don't want to write anything because they're not, they don't feel comfortable writing, but man, they'll put it together. So once I was able to say, celebrate what you're good at. So I, I did the staff meeting and said, just send, let's all celebrate something we're good at. And you put 15 things out that teachers are really, are, if you're going to articulate you're good at it, they're even better at it. And then as the leader, you can sit back and almost have like a little dartboard, like, okay, we need a newsletter. Here's a writer. There's a graphic designer. And here's someone who, who's fabulous at scheduling because I'll forget. And you put those three together. So when I stopped talking, I backed up and I could see the big picture Teachers felt like, okay, I got my ideas out and I'm supported. That's a great method of doing that because, right, leaders, we love to do surveys, sometimes too often. But the most important thing about a survey is using the information that you get. And, you know, I think about, I do surveys over the summer for different things to find out different things. And then I utilize that information throughout the course of the year. And then I have some activities in the middle of the year that uh, provide some survey data, for lack of a better term, with staff so that I can interact with them better and better serve them. But what you just talked about is a great method for larger projects and really honing in on the different aspects that people can, that people can bring to the table. So that's awesome. I, you know, you, you talk about that and you talk about passion and you mentioned, you mentioned a couple of things. I love the idea of just get out of their way and slow down, be quiet, stop talking so much, but you didn't arrive at that overnight. So do you have do you have any times where things have gone awry, where you just made a mistake, any pitfalls that some other leaders might be able to listen to and say, oh, good, I'm, I, I don't want to go in that direction that you could share with us? Sure. Uh, and especially, uh, the, again, what I love about these conversations is they're just authentic. Like, I don't know what Chris is going to ask, so I got to <laughs> think about the things. And it's, and it's great for me because usually the first thing you think of is, is, is impactful. And, and for me, one of the things that I would say was a pitfall of mine because I'm incredibly literal. And I'm, I try to be efficient, which I think are great characteristics, except when you're writing an email to a staff who they don't oh. really know you well. So I am a, a, you know, the USA Today is the number one newspaper because it's colorful and short. And that's what I try to do. So in an email to staff, it's like, here's what we're doing this week. Boom, boom, boom. Bullet, bullet, bullet. Have a great day. And in an elementary school or the one that I worked at originally, I was the only man in the building and one of the youngest staff. So it really would come across where I'm just telling everyone what to do. Like, here's what you're doing this week. Boom, boom, boom. So in my mind, I'm like, boy, I'm killing it. I'm efficient. They don't have to read a lot. I have clickable links. Like they, I did all the back work like this. I, I earned my principal stripes today. And the guidance counselor, Michelle is her name, came down one day and she's like, and, and we've had conversations like you and I are having right now, like funny, like I think she knew who I was a little bit better than staff. And she said, listen, you're coming off like a jerk. And I'm like, what do you, 
what? I'm being efficient. I'm throwing these buzzwords. She's like, people are just taking it like you are impersonal. You're, you're a robot and you don't know them enough. Like go talk to them, go share. And I was like, are you serious? He's like, yes, send me your next weekly update and I'm going to show you what I mean. So I like, come on, seriously. Yep. Sent her the email I was going to send out. And she sent me one back and I read it. I'm like, that's beautiful. And she said, yes, <laughs> that's what you're going to send out. And that became our routine. I would do the match. Joseph, boom, boom. And this is what I want to say. Send it to Michelle. She would like soften it up and add some you know, like language, not colorful, negative language, but like language repeat. And it just, that little shift helped me. And then what I did was learn from it. Like, okay, I should put a greeting right? You'd think right. those are obvious things. Right. She's like, you just dive into stuff. You're just like, okay, this week we're going to She's like, say, welcome, make a joke, do something. Cause I know you behind the scenes are not like you perceive on the email. So that might not be an earth shattering thing, but what is your digital communication saying about you? How are you portrayed in the newsletter? Do you put pictures in it? Do you talk about your family? Do you talk about like, are things that you make yourself more human? It makes you more relatable. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I and, and sometimes I struggle with emails because I say too much, mm-hmm. but I am so there with you with links because if I can, I'm very aware of my problem of talking too much and um, writing too much to get to a point. So what I do is I'll put a link in and I'll say, "Oh, look, that shortened up that paragraph," and I'll I'll think that's pretty cool. And then it's like, "Yeah, but now you got links with all kinds of other documents and <laughs> right. to deal with that, you know? right?" So you're that's that, solving it. That was definitely one. And, and another one, I was talking to a vice principal of mine one time who I trusted. She came with me from Attleboro where I was principal to Natick. And she was just, she was fabulous. She's been around. She just wanted to be assistant principal. And she was probably like 65. And she said, I've seen you practice things. I've seen you practice staff meetings. I've seen you make mistakes. She says, but you don't let anyone else see that. So as a young principal, I said, well, I'm the principal, right? I'm the leader. I got to be... I got to get things right. And she's like, nobody wants to see a perfectionist. Show them and talk about things that you didn't do well. Talk about things that took you a long time to learn because you talk about risk-taking. And I do, and I think it's a fabulous, but you never show your failures or your missteps. So it actually is doing the opposite of creating a culture of risk-taking. You're creating a culture of perfection. And that was another one where I've, the more, like if you, not that I would ever say, go back and listen to podcasts early on to, to things I do now, but early in my career would really talk about my successes because I thought that made me, you know, a, a strong leader, successful. And, and all it did was show, was it came off a little braggy and yeah. talking about the journey and it, it is way more important and things that you had to overcome. And I'm glad you asked that question of things that didn't work out because that's real life. It's not Facebook leadership where you just show the best things you do. It's a, it's, these are struggles. And for me in the, you know, in this part of my career, that's what I can give back to aspiring leaders or new leaders or veteran leaders. Like it's okay to say I was 42 year or, you know, I was a BC and I brought my dissertation to the 19 year old, you know, honor student working in the writing center. Like, Hey, can you take a look at this? And she's like, uh, are you a student here? And I was like, yeah, yeah. I just need some help with my grammar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's funny. And I, you know, I love you. You coined a phrase, I think, and I'm definitely going to use this on Twitter. So I'm going to have to tag you on it when I put it out there. <laughs> Hashtag Facebook leadership 
I love that phrase because too often we all get caught up in, oh, this is nice and neat. And nobody saw the 19 versions of it ahead of time. (laughs) But I agree. That's so important. You had this person to help you that said, hey, look, these emails are really, really awful. And that takes a lot of trust, right? I I mean, we're not even going to get into the whole topic of trust and how foundational that is to any successful school. But when you talk about that person coming in and saying that to you, that's not a situation that teachers feel they can always be in with leaders. So if you were to pick something that, because you said a lot there, if you, if you were to <laughs> pick something that a leader could have done for you at that moment in time to help you out or to support you in those times that you were stumbling, can you think of anything that would have helped or that they would have done? Sure. I can think back to my first leadership position. And at the time I was incredibly young. I was 33 years old and I thought the best thing to do was act like a leader. I, I, was, I was great at playing the part. And my superintendent mentored me and wanted me to do it like her. And she was an older female superintendent. So our, our personalities didn't like match up. So I was trying to act the part and I was trying to do it like her. And when it wasn't working, I was getting frustrated because I'm like, I want to try these other things like me. And I wish someone said to me, it's okay to be yourself. I want to succeed and fail as Matt Joseph, because then I'll know exactly how I can get better. Because if I do it like, and we've said a few times, you and I are are very similar, similar age, similar kind of backgrounds, but we are very, have different personalities and strengths. So we can't do it even like each other. That I wish someone would say, here's an idea, but Matt Joseph eyes it. And once I started to realize I could do that, maybe it was on my second contract. Like, Ooh, I, I got to know I can stick around for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're going to keep me for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, this, all right. I can, I, I started to see some successes doing it like myself podcasting or, or having a mascot in school or having spirit days. Like, okay, I like that. But then when there were errors, I could correct them because I owned the information. I yeah. felt connected to the work. When I, was, when I was playing the part of a principal, it was just that. I wasn't authentic. So I guess to answer your question, if someone would say something, or if I were to teach an aspiring class, or if someone said to the 38-year-old Matt so be authentic and be yourself, because that's where you're going to see the most growth in, in your performance. That's, that's awesome. And, you know, that, that comes through, that forces reflection, right? I mean, what you're talking yeah. about is, is reflecting. And if, if we can help teachers reflect on that by, by encouraging them to be themselves, be authentic, and then supporting them through that by letting them do that, I, I think that's huge yeah. by helping them reflect. And I, and if, go ahead. Well, I said, and the second thing is we're going to continue to talk about, you know, struggles and things. The second thing I wish somebody told me earlier in my career was empower people. When I took that first role, we were, you know, we were for Massachusetts, we have, you know, at the time of CPI, we were, we were scoring in our tests around mid sixties. And I said, with my passion, enthusiasm, we're going to get to hire. And I did everything. And I, and I, and I got us through and we got to the high eighties, low nineties by the time I left, like we're so successful. And then I left and they went back to where they were because all I did is do it. I didn't empower people to continue that culture that I, I, I created a great climate, meaning it going to change at some point because I didn't create a foundation. So the other thing I would, I would give as an advice is to empower people early that just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. 
That's, I am so glad you brought that up, the idea of empowering. And right, because you want to you wanna leave a place better than you found it and you want to leave it in a condition so that it can continue better than you found it. Yeah. And improve after you leave it. Um, if we're really doing our jobs as leaders and then you just hinted at, man, we're going to have to have a whole nother episode on some of these topics. <laughs> we, awesome. And then you bringing up the idea of climate versus culture. A lot of people mix those two terms up. A lot of leaders get confused in that because if everybody's bebopping around and it's a good climate, that doesn't necessarily mean you have good culture. No, and, I have a little story on different. it if you want it. You, because I, I, if you have a minute, I can tell you a little thing that that I always tell people. Go ahead. Because again, I wrote my dissertation on culture. So a good climate is if Matt Joseph brings donuts on Friday, everybody's happy, right? You're fired up. And then next week I bake a cake and they're like this, I love Fridays. And then the third Friday, I don't. It's not that somebody else is going to do it. They're like, Matt, where's the donuts? Right. Right. Because I've created a climate that's awesome that on Fridays I bring snacks and I bring treats and Matt's great. And we love it here where we all eat together. We all... But that, I'm not empowering anybody else to create the culture of bringing, you know, whatever it is, whatever the in, insert initiative there. In, in the week that I don't do it, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Did, and then I say, did anybody else step up to bring it? And like, whoa, you're the donut guy. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. And I think when we look at culture, it's the way we do things. And it's, you got to have both climate and culture, but I usually say that to people and, and I like to talk about donuts. So, well, Hey, I I'm with you on the donuts. There you go. Any kind of pastry or baked good. There I'm you in. go. You know, the, and that reminds me of a story. So I, I do the welcome sign Wednesdays. I love that. And when I was at my school before this school, I would do welcome sign Wednesdays and I'd run around and do it and things like that. And then I was out one Wednesday and welcome sign Wednesday was gone. So in in essence, I had created a climate. Nobody picked up a sign and said, hey, his sign is sitting in his office and did it. And here I was doing it. And oddly enough, it it wasn't teachers or other adults that picked it up. It were students that did it. And so they actually took the signs and went down to the middle school and did it at the middle school. Yeah. Without me doing it or without me telling them. So there's, there's definitely a difference and there's a different feeling when that happens. That, Absolutely. That's palpable. So, hey, you know, we, we talked a lot about um, climate versus culture we got into. We bled into that a little bit and, <laughs> and reflecting and stuff like that and how we can pick out on our, on our areas that we need to improve on. But, hey, okay, everybody, we're going to stop the first part of this episode there because Matt, like I said in the beginning, is just dropping nugget after nugget of great information. He's got so much to say, and this is such a great conversation that I ended up having to break it into two parts. So make sure you come back next week to catch even more of these things that Matt's talking about that are all tied to how we improve in supporting, engaging, and empowering teachers to build a stronger, more positive culture. Better yet, why don't you consider subscribing to the show and you can get them automatically every week as they come out. Hey, as always, I appreciate you taking the time to listen. Have a great week. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, 
Email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Jigsaw Learning. Whether you lead at the school, district, or division level, you're serving a wide array of students, and you know that no one person has all the answers when it comes to meeting each of their needs. That's why Jigsaw Learning helps leaders and their staff and faculty to develop a collaborative approach. Every child deserves a team, and when you put together the pieces of effective collaboration, you can realize that team's full potential. Connection, relationships, and authentic collaboration are at the foundation of Jigsaw Learning's work. Through professional learning presented on-site, online, or a blend of both, Jigsaw's team of experienced learning associates works with you to develop a personalized plan to help collaborative response thrive in your organization. Learn why educators have described working with Jigsaw Learning as powerful, wonderful, and beneficial for all students. Visit jigsawlearning.ca and connect with the team for information. That's jigsawlearning.ca. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.